You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in, one and all, to the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. It's Friday, January 20th. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew. Let's get divisional bets. I love the divisional round, Kyle. I mean, Wildcard Weekend was, was pretty fun, actually. It was a lot of good football, um, closer games than I think a lot of people thought with, like, the Bills game and, you know, the Cowboys game got a little out of hand, but the other games were super close. But the divisional round, I think, by a lot of people, is considered the best weekend of football from a football guy standpoint. But I also love it because our friends at DraftKings finally made the correct decision to make the four-game slate the main slate. Last week... I, it was just silly. They made the Saturday slate the, the main slate, the Sunday slate the main slate. Um, I, I prefer the two uh, two days combined. Just so much edge, I think, in those situations. So I'm excited about that. But man, the football should be awesome this weekend. I'll say our friends at DraftKings, great sponsor, great friends. Love them. Somebody, somebody, I don't know who it was, who was in charge of salaries this week, just said, yeah, I'm done. Uh, oh, that, I, you know, that, that was Frank from uh, Risk Management. Well, Frank's done because there are a number of salaries this week that I had to go backwards for a lot of these players and say, okay, and I wrote this up in, in the DFS pass. This is the cheapest this player's been since this date. Uh, you know, and just realizing that a lot of these don't really consider the context that we have less games to work with. Like normally if somebody is priced a certain way, we can go, okay, well, there's so many options, right? Like on a main slate, you and I are usually talking 12 games, 13 games. With only four games, you look at some of these prices at wide receiver that you go, oh my gosh, what are, what do they think? Christian Kirk, 6K? They're just leaving the dude there. So, yeah, somebody deserves to get fired. 
I mean, we don't want that to happen, right? Like oh, it's, oh, it's happening on the NFL. People are losing their jobs left and right. Um, but yeah, the, the, the pricing is very silly. I'm excited to kind of talk about like what that does from a game theory and roster building standpoint because it does kind of feel like one of those slates where the studs are so easy to get to. And then when you drop down to like the 5K and the 4K range, you feel very comfortable clicking the button. Debo Samuels at uh, 5,900. Zay Jones is like a comfortable cash game type of click at like 4,700 right. or whatever. So, so I'm kind of a little... Not annoyed at that, but I think it makes it a little bit of a softer slate to build. So my approach just kind of early on in thinking about it is like, you're going to have to take a stand in tournaments somewhere. And there's going to be high priced guys who are high rostered that it's going to feel very uncomfortable to fade. But again, when you're looking at a four game slate, options are limited. You're going to have to make some uncomfortable decisions at some point. And if you did that last week, if you played the Sunday three gamer, or if you played you know the full six game slate and you faded Justin Jefferson, obviously it worked out. What I'm hearing you say is that you're very pro Ronald Jones this week. That that's kind of the route that you that you want to go. Playoff Rojo, here we go. He, he, if it wasn't Playoff Lenny last week, it's Playoff Rojo this week. Uh, <laughs> so ridiculous! Did you did you see all that before the game? Yes, it's stupid. Oh my gosh! Now your bracket. Let's talk about that before we talk about some of our cash picks. We'll talk about you know salary standouts. But your bracket so far, how's it looking for the playoffs? Actually, so far, so good. I did complete the the full slate perfectly, except for one game. I got one wrong. I wanted to get a little different somewhere in there. So uh, I think the upset that I picked was the Bucks, just to pull it off against the Cowboys. But otherwise, we're looking we're looking okay. I still have all my teams that are left to move on after this game still in there. So things are looking pretty good. I have the same exact thing. I did pick the Cowboys, the the correct pick. And uh, my contrarian pick in our office pool, our office bracket, was the Cowboys to go all the way to the Super Bowl and lose. But so we'll see there. We'll talk about that game in a second. I did like a sucker, like I talked about on this podcast. I picked the Chargers. So I mean, how, I felt great about that game halfway through. I, I was probably texting you. What's like, funny Man, about that, Kyle? The Chargers is I are great. thought. I thought exact. I thought of you, Kyle, when I, when I saw the third quarter happen and the fourth quarter unfolding. I was like, oh no, like. This is the Chargers team that we always lose money on. This they are the same team <laughs> every year, but fortunately, we are not the people. I don't know if you saw this, uh, listener. Someone put a one point four million dollar bet on the Chargers to win when they were up in the first half by twenty points or whatever it was. Obviously, we know how that ended. So, as long as you weren't that person on Wild Card Weekend, you probably had an okay weekend. I mean, one, my my wife would leave me. My kids would leave me, and I wouldn't blame them. And I would hope this company would leave me if I just said, you know what, let's put a cool 1.4 and uh, put on the money line, on the Chargers. Like, pick a different team, bro. Like, I, I know we're in hindsight right now, but, like, I could never I could never do something like that with the Chargers because they, again and again, choose to do that. But Keenan Allen's still the GOAT. He's awesome. In the DFS Pass, we've mentioned this before, it's free throughout the playoffs. So if you want to get all of our content, it costs you nothing except a chance to log on and get the pass for free right now. Our DraftKings, our FanDuel picks, our roster percentage report, and behind the scenes, you and I have already started talking about next year and some of the things that we're going to add, some tools, uh, some different articles, even some things Andy was playing around today with like, hey, how do we make our roster percentage report even better for people to be prepared for tournaments, for different slates, so you can get that at DFSPass.com. It is full free once again, but let's talk about who we like this week. 
Straight cash, homie. Now, when we get to four games, bets, do you play a lot of cash? Are you one of those players that's like, okay, maybe I'll do a 50-50, but like, I'm not focusing on that. Yeah, I'll still play a couple of the really large field double ups just because I think it's, you know, there's so many people that are making some silly lineups in there that I think it's still okay to do. But the edge each week that goes by from last week all the way through the playoffs is less and less and less in cash. The smaller the slate, the more variance, you know, we see, which is what we've always kind of talked about with showdown questions that we get. You know, who do you like for showdown this week in cash? And it's like, it's so, there's so much randomness in football. There's so much variance in football. And when you're talking about, you know, sometimes these slates, they turn into like this weekend, four games. Sometimes they're two games. There's not much edge there. So I think we really want to embrace tournaments. I'm going to play a very, very small amount of cash, but most of my action this weekend is going to be in tournaments. I'm with you. Last week, I had a good week in cash uh, because I felt like you could identify which plays and just it was about not making mistakes. It's what you and I always talk about. Uh, Not a great week for tournaments for me, but I think just the way this sets up this week, we'll talk about the salary standout. So this section at this point of the season is more about saying, hey, here's some guys, their salaries that stand out to us and what we think the field is going to say, hey, we really like this. And then we'll go game by game and talk about some contrarian plays, including our slate breakers at the very end that I feel pretty excited about. At quarterback this week, it's amazing. On the slate, we have the top four fantasy quarterbacks of the year in front of us. You know, it's not like we're getting, you know, some other teams that just snuck in with just bad quarterbacks. Like, it's Mahomes, it's Allen, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow. Those were the top four quarterbacks for fantasy. And Burrow's the only one that's priced differently. Like, he's priced down on DraftKings, but I don't think you can do wrong. I do think Josh Allen, though, is too cheap for the way that he can separate from the field. Yeah, I mean, I think about it, you know, a couple of different ways. One is like, there's not many negatives that we're going to say about players just period from here on out. Like these are the best teams in football, the best players in football for a reason. So it's not necessarily saying like, oh, this guy's a bad play. It's just that when you look at their pricing and you look at how they performed and their upside combined with their floor, you've got the three guys at the top, Mahomes, Hurts, and Allen. Can you really poke in any holes in any of those guys on this slate? Probably not, honestly. And so we always talk about if you're going down at quarterback for cash games, it's it's more about the salary savings and what they can do for you. Meaning, are you going to play Daniel Jones and, and spend up elsewhere? But like we talked about at the top of the show, the pricing is so soft this week that I don't think you have to do that. So for me, if I am going to play cash games, it's going to be one of these three guys. My early lean right now is to play Josh Allen. But again, like it's only $200 from Allen to Hertz and then you know $200 up to get to Mahomes. So truthfully, like pick your guy that you like and roll with it. I think the, the optimal way to play cash on this slate is to pay up for one of these three guys. Yeah, I have Allen in my lineup right now. Uh, I think on FanDuel, I think he's too cheap at 9K. But both sides, I mean, you can't really choose wrong. I will talk about Jalen Hurts because you get the rushing. You know, you, you get a goal line back it, it, at quarterback, and then he's been such so efficient as a passer. They've also beat the Giants twice this year. So I love all those quarterbacks. Are you trying to get cute, like in cash? Like, are there any of the lower-priced guys you're like, oh, Brock Purdy, he's cheap. He's going to show up as points per dollar. Or is it like, hey, just stick with the studs. That's why they got here. Yeah, no, in cash games, I think it's pretty clear. You got to spend up for one of these three. We can talk about those quarterbacks when we go through the game previews, like how you would stack it and what that means from a tournament perspective. But if you are going to play one of the cheap guys in a tournament, basically the idea is you're saying those three guys at the top are good, not great, meaning they give you... 23 24 points which in cash games you love in a tournament because of where their price if they give you those 20 to 24 points and purdy gives you 19 like 
Purdy's a better play, right? So it's more about kind of what those guys don't do in tournaments versus cash games. I think the optimal way, like you said, spin up for those three. It was nice seeing Purdy and Dak Prescott, you know, have some monster games. But same thing, Daniel Jones, great game last week. Trevor Lawrence, like in the second half. So it is nice that we have a slate with eight teams where you could legitimately say, like, hey, these quarterbacks can all get there. It just matters what, what does everyone do. Uh, and so you're kind of making a stand with players like that. At running back, I mentioned earlier, but someone at DraftKings didn't do their job because Christian McCaffrey is 8K. I looked this up. This is the lowest price point he's been since the first week of November in 2021. So it's been a year and a half since we've basically seen this guy at this price point, and that was after he was injured for about five weeks. So you're getting Christian McCaffrey, who's been elite as a 49er. He's averaged 120-plus total yards and a touchdown in full games. I remember telling you last week, Betts, if you knew you were going to get 118 total yards and a touchdown, would you play him in cash? You said yes. We played him in cash, and he was good. So is Christian McCaffrey like, like if you're playing cash, you have to put him in your lineup? I mean, I don't see why you wouldn't because, again, the, the pricing's pretty soft for some of the wide receivers that we like. So, yeah, Christian McCaffrey's, you know, obviously in play. In theory, the matchup's a little bit tougher against Dallas, but, like, he's sort of matchup proof. It doesn't matter. And, like you said, when the price is where it is relative to what we're used to, you know, we're used to jamming in Christian McCaffrey at 9K if we can make it fit on other slates. Now he's down at 8K on DraftKings. And what's so crazy about him, too, is, like, even when you're concerned about, okay, Elijah Mitchell's coming in for eight, nine carries a game. Debo's going to get three to five carries a game. Like when Debo's in the backfield, Christian McCaffrey is lined up at wide receiver. So on full PPR sites, there aren't really any other backs on this slate. Besides Saquon, obviously, he can have a ceiling game. But from a floor perspective, no one can really touch where he's at, in my opinion, because there's concerns with game script with Travis Etienne, and they don't throw to the running back as much. Um, Joe Mixon's in a pretty brutal spot on the road against Buffalo from a rushing standpoint. So when you think about just best play on the slate, hands down, it's Christian McCaffrey. And the thing about McCaffrey is last week, you had to pay up from Saquon. It was like a $900 difference. There's $100 between those two this week. So it's clear that McCaffrey is a great play. Uh, you mentioned Mixon. That price is tempting at 6500 but the Bills ranked 10th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. Travis Etienne is going to show up, I think, in a lot of optimals at 6400 the Chiefs allowed the most running back reception in the NFL, but he's an underdog. So that that's where I think things get tough this week is some of the better running back, you know, cheap plays are like, you know, the Bills running backs. They're going to show up cheap. They're favorites. But like, I don't know, flip a coin. You can't play either of those confidently in cash. And then you have somebody like ETN, eight and a half point dog. But I, I think he just projects well at 6.4. Yeah, I think if I'm going to play some cash, like the way that I think I'll probably start, and I think the field will do this too, is McCaffrey and ETM. Because when you think about, you know, price points, it's really tough to fit Josh Allen or Mahomes or Hertz, CMC, and Saquon at 7.9. So I think the field is going to drop down to one of these 6K backs. And yeah, I think I'm with you, even though there is concern about game script with Travis ETN. They don't really throw to the running backs a ton in Jacksonville, specifically to ETN, which is weird because of his college uh, profile and usage. But he did run 40 routes last week. We saw them when they did get totally out of the game in the first half. Like he was still in there in the second half. Same thing. He was still in there. 100% of the running back carries last week. No running back touched the football from a rushing standpoint besides Travis Etienne. So I think he's a fine cash game play. I can certainly see pass to fading him though in tournaments. What are your thoughts on your boy Miles Sanders? You know, you can say this as an Eagles fan. But at DF, DFS purposes, 5.7 is pretty cheap, 
And this is the best rushing matchup on the board this week. Against the Giants, 29th in EPA per rush attempt, 30th in explosive rush rate, and 27th in rushing yards allowed. So everything says this is a good spot for Sanders. I like the tag, but the floor sometimes feels like it's like five points. Yeah, it's weird. I was actually, um, I was just was with my dad uh, yesterday. We were just having lunch and talking about this, and he was like, what are the Eagles going to do this weekend with Miles Sanders? And I was thinking about it, and in my head, I was like, oh, they're going to hand the ball, the ball 20 times. But then I thought back to the game against the Bears when it was just the best matchup possible, and they gave him like eight carries. You know, like, I don't, so it's so tough to predict, and I'm with you. That floor is too low for me in cash, despite the, the price tag, despite the team total, all those things. We'll talk about him when we talk about that game. I think he's a very interesting tournament play, but for me, not in cash this week. I like Saquon on FanDuel at 8.5. I think he projects well there, but CMC is still our favorite. And then I just need to point out that Ezekiel is 5,400. Like, it's really sad to see that because... (laughs) That is so sad. (laughs) It's sad because this is a player who's been great for fantasy for a long time, and... It's like when I started to see Julio Jones just kind of wear out, and you're like, oh my gosh, Julio Jones, 3,500, or whatever he was. You're like, it's my favorite player. Uh, Zeke has kind of been trending down in the wrong direction, while Tony Pollard, he's 6,100. That's his lowest price since before Halloween. And since that time, he's averaged 19 opportunities, 110 total yards, and over a touchdown per game. So not only is Zeke way priced down, and I don't think people will play him very much, Pollard's priced down too. So are you, are you interested at all, or is it just like, this is a bad matchup, stay away? I cannot fathom actually clicking the button on Ezekiel Elliott on this slate. Um, now on Fandle, he is always in play just because if he for some reason gets two one-yard carries for a touchdown, that's all that matters on Fandle. But on DraftKings, where he's not running as many routes as Tony Pollard, where he's been the most inefficient back in football among the teams left over the last six weeks, 2.4 yards per carry is brutal. San Francisco run defense is awful. If the Cowboys want to win this game, Zeke should not have more than 10 carries. But the thing is, they're so stubborn. They know that he's paid all this money. They're probably going to give him 12, 13 carries. And truthfully, I think he's going to run for like 35 yards. That's where where his line is at on the sports book. So it's hard to to click the button. I know the price tag is good. Just a, a complete fade for me on this slate. At wide receiver, Jamar Chase is the wide receiver one in pricing. But once again, the theme of this entire show is going to be Everybody's too cheap for what they can do. He's $300 cheaper than the last week, and it's the cheapest he's been in an active game since week six against the Saints. Uh, I mean, he just, he's unreal. If you want to go through and just see like what he's done over the last seven games on DK, it's just like, you're getting double digits, you're getting 20 plus point games, you know he's always a threat for 100 yards. Jamar Chase is the clear wide receiver one, in my opinion, on this slate. Uh, not just in pricing, but like, hey, I will pay that price tag if this is what I'm going to get uh, in a probably negative game script where, I don't know, I, I think it wouldn't shock me for him to have 13 plus targets. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're going to talk about that game stack situation, but the Bengals have just completely abandoned the run. And it's been kind of what we've asked for over the last year and a half with Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor, and they're doing it. And I'm really interested to talk about that game and kind of how we see it playing out. But when you just think about like the most likely range of outcomes, it's Jamar Chase getting peppered with targets in, like you said, a negative game script. And, you know, the Bills defense is good. They've been pretty good this year, but they've given up big plays. They've also been um, giving up decent amount of numbers, actually, to perimeter wide receivers over the last six, seven weeks. And that's where he plays exclusively. So I was going to come in and be like, ah, I think I lean Steph Diggs for $100 less. But now that we've talked through it a little bit, I do think Jamar Chase is probably the best play on the slate. 
I would say the best value is Christian Kirk at 6K. Like it's that one's kind of confusing to me, not only after what he did uh, last week, but like he's been pretty solid. When he played the Chiefs in Week 10, he went nine for 105 and two on 12 targets. So he's he's the clear one, like alpha among the Jaguars wide receivers, and he's been targeted. He was targeted on 27 percent of his routes last week. So. Kirk, I think points per dollar wise is somebody in cash that fits the bill and you kind of have to figure out like, okay, what's a different way I can stack with the Jags, but Kirk's the most obvious. Yeah. And he's definitely my favorite play on this, uh, on this Jags team from a cash and actually tournament perspective. What's really tricky and, and why I like kind of hate playing cash on these type of slates is because you get stuck in positions where you're like, Oh, Christian Kirk is such a good value at 6k. Like I got to play him. And then you're like, well, Zay Jones, he's running around on every drop back. He's at 4.7. The math says he's a good play. But like putting that much stock into a Jaguars offense traveling on the road to a tough place to play in Arrowhead is is concerning. And that's an easy situation where you could fade that or play one or the other in tournaments. But like I think a lot of people are just going to play both in cash, and that sounds terrifying to me. I need to add that right now, as we speak, there is somebody outside of our studio revving their engine non stop i mean this is it's, this is is it jeremy he's that an, sounds like something he would do no it's not jeremy because he just came out of the bathroom <laughs> but i i mean somebody is just saying <laughs> this what, i know <laughs> somebody has to just do this non-stop so i apologize but i can't do anything about it so let's just keep rolling um we mentioned debo samuel i feel like if you're not playing cmc you have to play debo as like the san francisco running back one and you know, running back to like, I feel like Debo's still too cheap. Gabe Davis, man, what did they do with his price at 4.8? That's offensive in a four game slate. That just feels so low. I know his floor is just nothing, but I mean, but that correlation ago, hit last week, Kyle, <laughs> we talked about it for five weeks straight. I know. <laughs> it finally happened. And then divisional round a year ago. I mean, you need to set oh. the table for oh, what brother. Gabe Davis did for you. Um, no, it was actually the, it was the uh, championship weekend wasn't it against the the chiefs when you had the four touchdowns no so that was divisional because they didn't make it to the championship because oh then, that's right because it was yeah. the bills yeah so this was the this was the slate where gabe davis went bonkers for 200 yards and four touchdowns and paid for my co- kids college education it was incredible um yeah that said he's so scary in cash like the floor is so low that i love him for tournaments the tricky thing is i was looking at a roster percentage report and i was thinking like okay maybe he'll Maybe he'll come in to the 15 to 20 range. Like, There's a good chance, especially in smaller field stuff, he gets pushed up to 30%. And on this slate, that's a little scary. But the Bengals actually have been bottom five in DVOA to wide receiver twos this year. So you could tell yourself a story where it goes really well for Gabe Davis. So I don't have a strong lead on him in cash. I think in tournaments, he's a very high upside, obviously low floor type of guy. Yeah, we'll talk through the game theory portion of, okay, well, obviously an Allen Diggs stack is going to show up a lot. Uh, you know, creating leverage with Davis is one story, but then it's like, okay, can you double stack with Josh Allen? Uh, you know, what is the pros and cons of that? And the last thing I'll mention is, we said it last week, one of these Giants wide receivers is going to have a good game. It was Isaiah Hodgins uh, who did the best. Slayton had a fine game. I think that you can go there and cash once again. I have a favorite, a clear favorite this week, which we'll talk about when we talk about that matchup, but uh, they're going to see passing volume. They're going to be behind uh, against your Eagles. I cannot 
I tried to like rack my brain and go through all the the game flows. Is there a scenario where where the Eagles lose to you? I mean, anything can happen, right? So I don't want to say I don't want to say there's no possible chance. And then you know, 24 hours from now, the Eagles are upset, and I am just so sad. And people are clipping this and saying, "Bets you silly man." So it it absolutely can happen. Uh, but I would be very surprised if that's the case. The way it happens, in my opinion, is Lane Johnson aggravates his groin issue. Jalen Hurts is still not right and things fall apart, but it would be very surprising. Yeah, I started going through scenarios. Okay, so I guess if there's multiple turnovers for the Eagles and the Giants like capitalize on those with short fields and, you know, like there's a way that it can happen. The game hits the under, but man, I I feel like the Eagles have this one. All right, last two positions we'll talk about for salaries, tight end and defense. Travis Kelsey, we get to play him this week. 7.7 on DraftKings, 8K on FanDuel. I think he's a lock in cash on Fandle at 8K. And then we both like Dallas Goddard as well. We might be talking about him a little bit later, if uh, later on, at 4.5. So I think that's a solid one. Dawson Knox, he's caught a touchdown in five straight games. It's hard to argue against him if you're stacking this week with Josh Allen. Like, he's a fine person to bring in a double stack. But, uh, yeah, I think tight end. I think we're going to be playing a lot of Travis Kelsey this week. And... um it was nice to see Hawkinson be able to compete and give us other tight ends to do that. Is there any other tight end on this slate that you're like, okay, they could have a monster game in store for them? Because I don't love Kittle this week. We saw Schultz with two touchdowns last week. Uh, I mean, I guess Goddard's the only one. Yeah, I love Goddard. We'll talk about him uh, later on in the game preview and then a segment at the end of the show. Uh, but thinking about players that at least shown us that, I mean, Evan Ingram, gosh, the floor does feel low any week, but he's also flashed a pretty massive ceiling. I mean, you think about this game environment, you know, the sports books. Uh, I was looking at the attempts for Lawrence. Earlier on Thursday, it was 39 and a half. Pat Mahomes' attempts was 39 and a half. So the sports books are telling us that they project a super, super pass heavy game plan. And teams are throwing on the Chiefs the highest rate in football. So you have to do that if you want to have a chance to compete with Mahomes. And then. Right before we started recording, it was 40 and a half attempts. So someone out there was betting the over. So I, I don't know if that's right or wrong. I'm just pointing it out for people that people, uh, the sports books are projecting a very pass heavy game plan, which if you're going to get that many attempts and they don't throw to the running back, you see very condensed target opportunities for Ingram, Zay Jones, and Christian Kirk. So I think Evan Ingram is very much in play as a bring back on those stacks. But if I'm going to pay for one of these guys in cash at that price point, like I'd rather drop down to Dallas Goddard. I just feel a bunch comp- more confident in their ability to attack the Giants with the tight end. So all good plays. I think the only one that I'm like kind of just meh on is, is Hayden Hurst, but he's obviously priced down too. So a fine option for GPPs, but in cash, I think I'm, I'm with you. The two guys that I like the best are Kelsey and Goddard. It's okay to be meh on Hayden Hurst. It's totally fine. Uh, the Ravens, for some reason, use first round The Ravens pick. were too. <laughs> and the Falcons <laughs> traded, I think, a second round pick for him. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, on defense, DraftKings did the same thing where they priced everyone together and you don't really have to pay up. So, yeah, somebody, somebody somewhere. You said it was Frank. I think it's somebody else that uh, is trying to get away with it. And so I'll, I'll get down to it. But the Eagles at 3.2, that is very cheap. Very cheap for a team at home, more than a touchdown favorite against Daniel Jones and arguably the worst wide receiving group that's left. The Bills at 2.9, I think, will be very popular. Uh, to get a one of the best defenses under 3K, uh, I think you can play them in cash. It's a different conversation, GPP. 
especially if you're going to be stacking. And then on FanDuel, they're at 4.1. People are going to be playing them too. So I feel like on defense, there's so many different options. I just can't see myself like taking the Giants or the Jaguars. I mean, that that's ballsy. But uh, anything for you? Yeah, no, I think the Bills are probably the best uh, cash game play when you think about, you know, we know the the Bengals want to drop back, which creates more opportunities for sacks, takeaways, things like that. And the offensive line injuries are very well documented at this point for the Bengals. So I think the Bills are probably the best cash game play. But looking at our roster percentage, I have them coming in around 31%. If you want to, if you want to create leverage, you know, in tournaments, like you said, these guys are all priced around the same situation. So you might as well pivot and save yourself a little bit of leverage. So for me, I'm out on them in tournaments. They are a fine cash game play. I'm interested in the Chiefs on FanDuel, especially you were mentioning the, the pass attempts. Like some people think they want to just chase defenses that like are in better matchups only. I want a defense that can actually have turnovers in a tournament. And if Trevor Lawrence can be throwing the ball 40 times, we saw in the first half the Chargers had four INTs, they can totally get there. So consider the Chiefs also. I think they're a good play. Let's take a quick break and then we'll talk about these games. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. Side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. At IKEA, your dream home is a blue bag away. No matter the size of your space or budget, we've got everything you need to turn your dreams into reality. And now with new lower prices on hundreds of our most popular products, bringing the dream home is even easier. Like the gray strandum wing chair, was $369, now $299. And the IKEA Plus 365 nine-piece cookware set was $129.99, now $89.99. And hundreds more. Shop new lower prices at ikea-usa.com today. So we only have four games to talk about, and that condenses the field, that condenses our options. So we're going to be talking about this mostly from a main slate perspective. You obviously can play just on Saturday, just on Sunday, but when we talk about our percentages and what you're giving up, once again, we're saying, hey, if you're playing Josh Allen here, this is what you're giving up in other games. So uh, we'll talk about it that way. Stack Attack. All right, let's start with the Saturday games. First one is the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs are eight and a half point home favorites at Arrowhead. The over-under is 53. And let's be honest, Mahomes, he's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome in the playoffs, 3-0 in divisional games. The craziest thing about the Chiefs is every single metric we look at in terms of efficiency, in terms of you know expected points, all those things, you're going to say, okay, Patrick Mahomes shows up really high. They play fast. They're no huddle rate. They don't run the ball. Like, this is a dream scenario. But they're not covering their games. Like, their games are way closer than people realizing. So, how are you attacking this from a 
maybe a betting standpoint and how does that impact DFS? Yeah, just to put some numbers to it, uh, Kansas City has only covered the spread in 35% of their games this year. That's among the, the worst in the league. It's fourth worst among all NFL teams. And if you go back to 2021, it's not just a this year thing. Like they're they're only covering about 44% of the time, which granted their spreads are always, you know, eight, nine, 10 points or more. So it's harder for them to cover those numbers in, in today's NFL. So I think there is some opportunity that the Jaguars can keep this closer than maybe the spread suggests. Um, the other thing is that Chiefs have played uh, 10 games with a total north of 50 points in those games. The under is hit seven times. So I'm not saying it's going to hit the under. I'm not saying that's the best move. Just saying like there are paths to this one staying close and being lower scoring than a lot of people think. Doesn't mean we don't have a lot of confidence in the Chiefs. I mean, 30.8 team total is by far the highest in the slate. It's just that maybe the Jaguars, you know, keep it low scoring. They don't push the ball. They don't do these kind of things. There are paths to the under hitting. So that's just what I want to, want to point out to people there. Yeah, I think the public as a whole, I and mean, just myself as a football fan, if you're not looking at these games and you're not like combining them over, you know, weeks at a time, you're just thinking, okay, they're the Chiefs. They were the number one seed. They win. And yet, when you see how the games play out, I think the public just thinks like, oh, they blow everyone out. There's a lot of backdoor covers, and there's a lot of opportunities where the Chiefs aren't scoring 35, 40 points like I think they used to, or at least what we thought of them. They only hit over 35 times this year. So you're not getting a team that is you know, just blowing the doors out. You're getting a team that's good, and they're kind of... The way that they're beating you isn't one big Tyreek play anymore. It's just, you know, death by a thousand cuts. It's Patrick Mahomes leading the league in red zone touchdowns. 34 of his 41 touchdowns were inside the red zone. That is an insane number. It's 83%. And we love that for DFS, but we don't love it because the ball is spread around outside of Kelsey. So outside of stacking Mahomes with Kelsey, are you, I mean, is it just McKinnon or Juju and just don't just delete everyone else? (laughs) <laughs> just get him out of here. Um, what's really funny about the way you asked that is that I feel like it's the same conversation whenever we talk about stacking the Chiefs games. And I would love to be the person that comes on the show and say, this is the dude that you need to stack. But the thing is, it's so random. Like There were points in the year where Kyle was patting the table for Justin Watson and Sky Moore and then Kadarius Tony. I was all in on. And you know, it's just been kind of this turnstile. And, and Mahomes took his credit. He's better for it. Like he's He's doing such a good job of being efficient with what he's doing with the talent. I mean, Marcos Valdez-Scantling is running around on every drop back. That's who he's throwing the ball to. And he's just been incredible. But to point out the fact that Mahomes has been so good in the red zone, just want to point out for people, we've said some just things about, hey, like this might hit the under. Not saying it's going to, not saying those things. I just want to take a step back and just let people know Mahomes is going to do what he wants in this game. I think he's going to have a very, very good game. I think he's an awesome play. The Jaguars, 31st in red zone DVOA defense. We just talked about how good the Chiefs are in the red zone. And Andy Reid, with extra time to prepare and kind of get the Jags on their heels. I just want to point out, I feel very confident Mahomes is throwing two-plus touchdowns in this game. Hopefully three if you're stacking him. And so the way that I'm going to play it is I love Travis Kelsey for obvious reasons. The Jaguars are 32nd, a.k.a. dead last, in DVOA tight this year. And if you look at what just happened last week, Gerald Everett had a very solid game, 6 for 109 and a touchdown against these Jaguars. So I think if you're playing Mahomes, the best way to play him is with Kelsey. And then the other guy is kind of this question mark. I can see a path for, for Jared McKinnon, given his red zone role. I could see a path for Juju, given the, the favorable slot matchup. But then I could also see a path where 
Kadarius Tony comes in at 4,100 on DK, gets eight, nine total touches combined between his you know passing and uh, his rushing role. He's in the red zone. He has a role. So uh, truthfully, I don't think that this is a great one to say these are the top plays that you should play it with. I think if you're playing a portfolio this weekend, if you're doing a 150 set, a, a 20 max set, if you're playing a bunch of Mahomes, I honestly would mix and match those guys. But I think Kelsey is the key cog in that stack. McKinnon is so hard because he's been running so hot on touchdowns and every week I look at his numbers and go, okay, you know, 10, 10 opportunities. If I were saying that about any other running back, say they're getting 10 opportunities this week, you would laugh at me and say, there's no way that's a strong play, but he's averaging four and a half receptions, 2.8 yards per route run over the last six weeks. Like he's super involved. I will personally be fading him just on the touchdown variance. Like, I just think that there's just way too much to be able to say a guy who's going to keep getting in the end zone with 10 opportunities. And, you know, he's not as cheap as he used to be. Like, he's 6K, he's 7.1 on FanDuel. Like, you're getting to the point now where you need more than just a touchdown for him to truly pay off against some of these other elite options. So, I will probably be underweight on Jarek McKinnon. That's just a stance of saying, okay, I can't keep betting on this the same way. And with Juju... You'd think on DraftKings like he'd be able to get there. He's only hit 20 points on DraftKings once, once since week seven. And in a tournament, I feel like if I'm getting 14 points from Juju, 15 points, like I feel like that might not be enough. That's the tricky thing, though, is like, remember, we, we have to context, like it's only a four game slate. So like you don't need probably you don't need 25 from every one of your guys like 5100. If you get 15, like that might be OK. So, yeah, it's tough, man. I mean. The Jags, we talked about it with Keenan Allen last week, which, by the way, six and a half receptions was what we took. 13 targets. He couldn't even hit it. Are you kidding me? Um, I'm still so salty about that. But the way that you beat Jacksonville is with these kind of, um, you know, wide receivers of the middle of the field, which is why we've talked about McKinnon, where he runs his routes, Juju, Kadarius Tony, and Travis Kelsey. And so the only guy that I'm not really into is, is MVS, but you could talk me into these other guys. I'm going to let roster percentage kind of dictate how I handle those guys, and you talked about maybe having a little bit of a fade on McKinnon, which I don't hate. I mean, he's coming in around 25% on this slate, right around guys like um, Saquon and Miles Sanders is less, Tony Pollard is less. So there is a path for it not to work out. Like you said, he's just been so uh, hot with touchdown variants. On the other side of the ball, the Jaguars pass catching options are so cheap. That's why I think this game is so clear from a stacking standpoint. You just go Mahomes, Kelsey, and then pick out you know who you want on the other side between Kirk at 6K, Zay Jones at 4,700, Evan Ingram at 4,300. Like, you can flex Evan Ingram. That's totally fine in this, like, if you're playing Kelsey with him. But do you have a certain lean between Kirk and Zay Jones? Yeah. The the way that I'm going to play it is I'm going to hope Zay Jones doesn't bury me, which he has done many <laughs> times this year. And I'm going to hope that it is Christian Kirk. And really what I want to look to is just the efficiency from Trevor Lawrence that he's had in the red zone over the last... Um, you know, 10 weeks, basically the second half of the year, his completion rate went from the first half of the year, 44% to 62% in the red zone. And if you're going to beat the chiefs, you need to convert touchdowns in the red zone. So if you're playing this game stack, you're saying it stays close. Lawrence has to drop back a ton. They throw a bunch, by the way, in week 10, 74% pass rate was the highest in football when they played the chiefs. So Doug Peterson smart, he'll know that. And so you're saying, and they get in close, they're going to score touchdowns. Christian Kirk, his red zone role this year was pretty awesome. Uh, ninth among all players in red zone targets this year. So for me, my preferred bring back at 6K on DraftKings 
is Christian Kirk. I agree with you. It's Christian Kirk for me as well. Um, I've been on the right side almost every single time with Zay Jones this year. Like the three touchdown game, I think I played him that week. The game that he just busted, I didn't play him like in my home league. Like I've been pretty fortunate was to guess the right Zay Jones, but I agree. I think Kirk's role is too strong and then too cheap on DraftKings specifically. Last little note here. Let's talk about ETN and Lawrence. I'm going to be underweight on Lawrence this week because I just feel like the price difference, because it's so soft this week in so many areas, like I don't need to save as much that I would before. I'm like, oh, I'm getting all the savings, you know, with Trevor Lawrence at 6K. Like I'm totally fine paying $2,000 more for, for Mahomes, knowing his safety, knowing there's 300 yards when, you know, it's in the bag for Trevor Lawrence to finish up with 10 DraftKings points and four turnovers. Well, the turnovers were there last week. Um, that's for sure. Yeah, he's a guy that I think I'll have a little exposure to. I'm gonna I'm I love to play on these slates, like twenty max, and I'm not that crazy to go one fifty for me personally, but I'll play a lot of twenty max. And if I'm playing twenty of those lineups, I might play some Lawrence stacks in two or three of them. But I agree with you because of the slate context, because we feel so confident in the guys at the top, the studs, that you know, if you get 16, 17, 18 from Lawrence, like it's fine, but it doesn't really help you if one of those three guys goes for 30, 35 DraftKings points. So to me, I think my my most exposure at quarterback is going to be to the studs. I'll sprinkle in Lawrence just because the Chiefs have given up a ton of passing touchdowns. In fact, the only ones who didn't throw for two, Malik Willis, Bryce Perkins, Juno Smith without Tyler Lockett, Russell Wilson in week 17, and Jarrett Stidham. So you're probably getting like 250 to 275 and a chance for two or three touchdowns. Which is, you know, a 6K is fine. I think there is a path for tournaments. But I agree with you. The most likely outcome is the Chiefs take care of business. They win. And the other quarterbacks on the slate uh, can bury Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, and I just want to soak up that production in the wide receivers who are cheap enough, that fit in, yep. great bring back. So I think you can get them there. And the last thing I want to say about ETN, we talked about his price. 6400 on DK, 6800 on FanDuel is a, is a great price. Ran a ton of routes last week because, well, they were trailing the entire time. And the Chiefs allow the most running back receptions in the NFL. So there is a path there for ETN. The problem is you're running into a lot of roster percentage of people that see that price tag and say, okay, hey, this is this is a good matchup. So um, I think this game has the highest total of the week. There are lots of paths where the Chiefs don't cover. There's lots of paths where it hits the under. And I did take the Jaguars plus eight and a half. So this is, it's so tricky because I feel so uncomfortable, but I agree like the trends are kind of strong that you would say maybe they do keep it close. So we'll see. So I would, I would take that side as well. I just want to point out too, that this is the first game on the, the four game slate. So if you're playing that and you don't play ETN, you will get a lot of information. If he has yes. a great game, you got to get weird and get off, off the board because he's going to be maybe the most popular running back to play on the slate price adjusted between he and McCaffrey. So if you fade him, you get a lot of information early. Yeah. And I think Pacheco is going to carry some roster percentage too. Like, on FanDuel, I think uh, him and McKinnon are just right there, like in our roster percentage report. So those three running backs, let's say you fade them in this game. Like you can get ahead of a lot of people already who are playing ETN, but it is it is risky this first game. All right, Saturday night game is the New York Giants, the G-Men at the Philadelphia Eagles. Your Eagles are seven and a half point home favorites, over-unders at 48, and... There's a lot to say, hey, this is just going to be fly, Eagles, fly. Um, the Eagles beat them twice this year. The Giants have the lowest team implied total on the slate. When I was looking at this from a game pace perspective, it was a little bit lower than the game we just talked about, 
and it's a lot lower than the Buffalo and Cincinnati game. So there's a lot where this game, I think, of all of them, could just get ugly. Like two divisional you know, opponents that the Giants want to play a lot slower. And if they do get the lead, I think this game could be gross. So I would just say if there was one game that I would say, man, I could see an under just hit in a really big way, it's this game. Yep, I agree with you. I also think we'll talk about the um, the Niners situation as well. I think that one that one is the lowest total, so obviously there's a path for that. But yeah, when you think about um, what we've seen from these matchups before, the Eagles have obviously gotten there when the starters played and everything. In, in Week 18, it was Hurts' first game back. They didn't really run him the same way, and you know the Giants played a bunch of their backups, so I wouldn't really put much stock into that. But earlier this year, obviously, the Giants couldn't really keep up. Now, Brian Dayball is a very smart coach. I think he should be the coach of the year. So he's going to make adjustments appropriately and kind of figure out how to really, you know, make sure that they can keep this one close. Because I agree, the, the best way that this one stays close, in my opinion, is a lower scoring game. So yeah, it's certainly possible they can get there. But that said, it doesn't mean I don't have interest, especially on the Eagles side of the ball. So speaking of the Eagles with Jalen Hurts, is he a candidate where you're just going to be single stacking him and you're trying to guess the right one? Or... I'm seeing some of these players in the Eagles side come in a lot lower in our roster percentage report. AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, even Dallas Goddard. Like, I don't mind looking at those knowing that this team is really good in the first half. And then when you look at their metrics, you kind of have to, you know, squint and, and change your mind a little bit because in the second half of the year, they kind of shifted down and you could see their rush rate just skyrocket because they're always playing from ahead. So it's hard for me to get a good read on what the Eagles want to do if a game is close because a lot of games just weren't close. They were blowing people out in the first half, and then they just kind of had to sit around and you know wait for the game to get over. So I like Hurts a lot, and I like A.J. Brown a lot uh, just for what he can do, and I think he's getting passed over. So are you interested in double-stacking Hurts? So my lean on I, normally we'd say just single stack because he could run so much. But again, on a smaller slate, like let's just say for hypothetical, the Jaguars go on the road and lay an egg, and the Cowboys go on the road and lay an egg, and you don't need thirty from Hertz and twenty five from Brown and twenty one from Devonta Smith. You might need less than that, and so I think there's definitely a path for these double stacks to hit on a smaller slate. Otherwise, I'd say normally I want a single stack him. That said, I do think that the Eagles' best chance to really put this game out of reach is to use Jalen Hurts as a rusher. Teams just, when they have to defend that, especially with the linebacker player that the Giants have, which is not good, is is that's how you take advantage of it. And so I think that there's definitely paths for Jalen Hurts, especially now that the shoulder is is kind of good to go, that the rushing is there. But I'm going to definitely have some different builds with Hurts. I'm going to play, like I said, 20 max and stuff like that. I'll play a couple single stacks, and I'll definitely play some double stacks, especially because... When you look at the, the roster percentage report, seeing both A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith at less than 10% on a four-game slate sounds like an auto GPP fire. Yeah, I, I like both of them in this game. On the Giants' side, we always talk about it's a different wide receiver. Isaiah Hodgins is priced up after you know showing out this past week. 4900 on DK, 6700 on Fandle. So he's kind of separated himself salary-wise from those guys. And then let me hit you with some hot, hot Hodgins stats, as they say. I, who doesn't love some good Hodgins stats? Okay, so one, he kills zone coverage all year. He saw 41% of the team's air yards last week and five targets in the slot. What if I told you that he's basically been the more targeted player in the slot over the last couple of weeks? Not Richie James. And the Eagles have allowed a, a league-high 60% of 
of the fantasy points scored by wide receivers against the Eagles this year were in the slot. So I like I like Hodgin. I think that he kind of fits the mold because Danny Dimes does not throw it deep. Only 5% of his attempts this year have been 20-plus yards. So Slayton has been bad against the Eagles this year. And I think Hodgins kind of gives them a blend of he can play in the slot, he can play outside, and he's kind of shown up as a big player, especially in the red zone recently. Yeah, uh, he's my favorite play as well. I mean, the Richie James stuff, like he's kind of the classic better in cash fade in tournaments situation. If he faded him last week in tournaments, it worked out. And I agree with you. Just like looking at players that have an ability to earn targets on a per route run basis, Isaiah Hodgins has done it. The team likes him. And to add to your numbers, over the last five weeks, 23% target share is very good. And a two-thirds, 66.7% end zone target share since week 13. So when they get in close, he's the dude. And when you're thinking about tournament upside, you need touchdowns to win. So to me, I agree with you. I like Isaiah Hodgins, despite the fact that he is the most expensive. I just want to throw in, too, that I might have picked him up in Dynasty like, you know, a couple of months ago. <laughs> just been stashing him on my bench. Just a bench stash. No big deal. Uh, one other thing, too, for the Eagles, uh, Avante Maddox, their slot corner, was a DNP all three days this week, so it sounds like he's not going to play with the turf toe. Um, and like you said, when Hodgins moves into the slot, that could be a mismatch for the Giants. So I think Hodgins is our dude. Yeah, and I, I just like the fact that I think the public just thinks, okay, Richie James is the predominant slot guy. He's going to get peppered with targets, but I think the upside lies with Hodgins and in our roster percentage report, he's under 10%. So it kind of is a great mix to say, if you're going to bring somebody back, he's our preferred guy. Daniel Bellinger, we're at the point now where we're like, hey, dude, you were a fun punt tight end for a little bit. There's no way I would click the button with him this week. Um, just cheap, but no ceiling. And then let's finish off talking about Danny Dimes and Saquon. I'm out on Danny Dimes this week. After his incredible game last week, how could you be out? I did so much research for our shows the last couple of days. We're talking about quarterbacks this week. and I, Everything was like, okay, Daniel Jones finished as the quarterback nine this year with 15 passing touchdowns because so many quarterbacks got hurt. And yeah, he finished with 700 rushing yards, seven touchdowns. But like, was he good? I don't know. Like, I think he just didn't make as many mistakes as he was in the past. Yeah, that's true. And coaching matters. So, I mean, Brian Dayball just put him in a position to succeed. And if you watch the game last week, they ran him a ton. And I don't know if they're going to do that again, but... I mean, if you look at the roster percentage report, I'm willing to find out if he's going to come in at 10, 12%. So again, if I'm building a portfolio of lineups, I'm not going to X him out completely. But I agree with you. Like, It's tough to buy back into a player like that after they just had an insane game the week before. So I'm, I'm going to be underweight relative to the other quarterbacks, but I will have a little bit of exposure to Dana Jones. Maybe I've been staring at him for too long on FanDuel where he's 7,400 and like Joe Burrow's only $600 more. Like, everybody's bunched together even more on FanDuel. Uh, so DraftKings, it's fine. He just be a player that I will be, uh, he's X out of my pool on FanDuel. I'm telling you right now. And then on DraftKings, I guess you could go there, but I just love the elite options that much more this week. There's four quarterbacks that are awesome and everybody else. It's like, okay, you kind of have to squint your eyes to, to tell yourself a tale. Let's finish off by with Saquon. Where are you at in him in tournaments? Because you can't just pay for everybody on this slate. And he is the second most expensive running back. Yeah, and for good reason, like people are gonna play him. I mean, he if you watched him last week, he looked shot out of a cannon. He looked awesome with the rest from week eighteen into the wild card round. But we've talked about it a lot. You know, the Eagles metrics against the run are not as elite as some of the other teams in the NFL. 
But when they've had their guys, their interior guys healthy, they've been very good. And, you know, if you think the Eagles take care of business, like game script is a concern. So to me, Saquon's a guy that I'm definitely going to have in my pool. Don't get me wrong. But when you think about what is most likely to happen for a hundred dollars more, I'm guaranteed to get a running back who is going to play slot wide receiver on full PPR sites and Christian McCaffrey that I think the most likely outcome is he beats Saquon. And so I lean that I'll be underweight relative to the 27, 28% that we have in a roster percentage report on DraftKings. But again, he's Saquon. He can break the slate. He's averaging 18.2 touches per game over his last four. So he makes sense. I'm going to be a little bit underweight the field. Uh, my stance on this game is still the under. I think the Giants can cover seven and a half. Gross. What's scary is that it feels like the Eagles are the right play, but the Lions just not moving, which to me is a little bit of a red flag. I feel like if this was my team, you would have a different take. But is this like a little bit of inner pessimism about your Eagles? No, dude. Can I hit you with a hot hot betting stat? Yeah, get, get, hit me. Over the last nine years, division favorites that have played, so interdivision uh, players or teams that have played, the favorite is three and ten against the spread. That, that makes sense. It's hard, to beat a, it's hard to beat a team three times in a row. Yeah, and we saw that with you know uh, the Ravens game where it's like, okay, everything says, like, oh, the Bengals should just roll. And that game was way too close, like, the entire time, especially at the very end, where it's like, it looked like the Ravens were about to go up. So, yeah, covering the spread is a different ball game than saying the Eagles are just going to win. But uh, I think the under is the way that I would just, I would say, hey, I don't, if I don't like the Giants, then I'll just uh, take the under and say they don't hit their implied total of 20. All right, two more games on Sunday. This one will probably be the, the best one to watch on TV. Like, this is awesome. This is really good. Cincinnati Bengals at the Buffalo Bills. The over-under is at 48 and a half, and the Bills are five-point home favorites. This is the game that we were supposed to see a couple weeks ago. Thankfully, DeMar Hamlin, the whole situation is much, much better. And I think there will be a lot of emotional aspects of this game. So keep that in mind. But we're looking at it from a fantasy perspective, from DFS perspective. And everything says we're getting two teams that just don't care about running the ball anymore. That's the best. Like that's that's why we love the Chiefs, Bills, Bengals. They just said, you know what? We're really good at throwing the ball. It's way more efficient. Let's just keep doing that. So, do you have an early lean on this game? Because, I mean, the Bills at home feel like a, a really solid play, and it's hard for me to poke any holes against Josh Allen. Even when he does turnovers, it's like you're going to get an awesome game. So, do you have a certain lean on how the game flow will work? Well, the game flow is, in my opinion, largely dependent on what Josh Allen does. If he does some silly things like he did last week and they let the Dolphins stick around with, you know, the, the sack he took on the, the strip sack fumble and some interceptions, like the Bengals can punish you. They're, they're a good team. Joe Burrow is a great quarterback. But if he takes care of the football, I really do trust the Bengals to take care of business here at home. Specifically in the playoffs, Josh Allen has just been incredible, averaging 2.8 touchdowns and over 300 passing yards in playoff games and oh by the way a cool 49.8 rushing yards per game over his last three years in the playoffs so you're getting a lead upside you're getting an awesome floor um and over the last six weeks since he is 22nd in explosive pass rate allowed that includes two games by the way against mac jones and deshaun watson the reason i bring that up is i don't know if this was game plan specific a blip in the radar or what but they let josh allen throw deep a ton 16.5 average up the target last week that might be an outlier Maybe not. I mean, Josh Allen might just be here. Playoff Allen, okay? We're done with playoff Lenny. It's playoff Allen on this slate. So obviously, we feel confident in that. We feel confident in them at home. Um, but yeah, I, my hope is that it stays close because like you said, if it does stay close, we're going to see just so many pass attempts back and forth with both teams. 
Did you see his air yards? I don't know if you saw that stat. It was like over 600 yards, wasn't it? Yes, it was like an insane, insane number of them just letting him throw deep. And I, I we can't repeat the same thing, but if there is a place to beat the Bengals, it is deep. So I, I think Allen Diggs is getting the targets that we want. I feel like the deeper targets, though, are going towards Gabe Davis. So I, I'm going back to what we talked about earlier. Can I double stack Josh Allen? Or is it just saying I need to pick which wide receiver goes off? No, I think you definitely can double double stack him because let's say he goes for 303 and he, he doesn't run for one or he doesn't run for 50 yards or something like you, you're going to want the second dude on this team. But the nice thing is it's kind of clear who I think, you you know, who we want to play him with. Obviously, we love Steph Diggs. There's not really much to say about it. I mean, in these last two high leverage games, nine and 10 targets. So when the game is on the line, they're giving the ball to Steph Diggs for good reason. And then Gabe Davis, we know his downfield role, his touchdown upside is there. And Dawson Knox, his touchdown upside is there. And that's what you need. The other guys, which it's kind of annoying, they just play like this rotation, right? It's like Isaiah McKenzie was out last week. He should be back this week for um, this game off the hamstring. Cole Beasley was out there running around. Khalil Shakir looked pretty good. He was out there. But you can't really, outside of large field dart throws, have any confidence in those dudes. And he doesn't throw to the running back position. The only running back to see a target last week was Naheem Hines. So I don't have a lot of interest in Singletary or James Cook. So it seems pretty clear, like you're playing him with Diggs, you're playing him with Gabe Davis or Dawson Knox. Yeah, I was staring at the running backs and it's like Singletary had the snaps last week, but James Cook outtouched him. But you mentioned like neither of those running backs saw a target. So, man, in a game that was back and forth that almost hit 70 points, you didn't have one of those running backs see a single target. They're just out there. They're on the cardio team. And <laughs> just I just... Around. <laughs> I can't go there yet. I think we will be talking about this running. Let's say the Bills advance and and conference championship. Like that's what I think the field is narrowed enough where it gets more and more interesting, and I think their scores can compete. But yeah, it, this is a game that just screams just back and forth, pass passing. I'm curious because Chase is the obvious bring back on the other side, but I like Tyler Boyd. Like I think the game plan for the Bill like against the Bills is in the middle of the field. It's in the slot. They gave up the six most fantasy points to slot wide receivers. It's Hayden Hurst. Like, am I crazy for liking those ancillary weapons? I mean, if let's say, for example, Joe Burrow has to drop back and throw 50 times, the game gets crazy. One of those guys, in addition to Jamar Chase, can definitely get there. So I don't think it's crazy. And, you know, we have a very small sample of these two teams playing this year. It was that week 17 situation, obviously, with uh, Demar Hamlin. But they only played, you know, one or two drives each. And... The thing that stuck out to me is on the first drive when since he had the ball, they were attacking Buffalo over the middle of the field. Hayden Hurst had a couple of big catches. Tyler Boyd was involved. I don't know if that was a one-week thing, if that's what they're going to do against the Bills, but just pointing out, definitely over the middle of the field is where I think the Bills are weakest, and it makes sense to think about that from a Tyler Boyd standpoint. What he has to do at 4K is obviously different than Stefan Diggs, so we're not saying he needs to go out for 30 points, but let's say he goes out for... 15 and Zay Jones gives you six like that's incredible leverage right there at 4k yeah I love the price tag the Bengals the only thing I will poke holes in the Bengals is that they play slower than I want them to they rank dead last in seconds per drive 30th in no huddle rate and 26th in pace over expectation so there is a route in this game where let's say the Bengals somehow gain a lead and they they will sit on it. They'll still throw, but they just play slower. Like they're not playing the same no huddle style that the Bills do. So that's the route where this game hits the under because I think everybody is thinking this is the game 
that's going to be back and forth. We have two awesome quarterbacks. You could stack it either way with Burrow or Allen. So I just needed to point that out. Joe Mixon is another player that is priced totally fine. We love his role, but has been wildly inefficient recently. Like, I mean, are you getting like maybe just like a little bit better version of Zeke? Like that's kind of where he's been recently. Wow. <laughs> wow. I know, I know. That is a dark place to be. Well, at least uh, Joe Mixon catches the football and Joe Burrow will target the running back position. So I don't think we're there yet, but the rushing inefficiency has certainly not been good. 11 for 21, 16 for 65, 11 for 27, and 11 for 39 are, are his Gross. last four rushing stat lines. And the Bills are a good run defense. So I just, to me, I'm trying to find players on the slate that are going to be rostered, that are good fades. And to me, if Joe Mixon catches seven balls and falls in the end zone, like so be it. I'm going to take my L. But if you're looking at just studs that you want to fade on the slate, uh, to me, Joe Mixon seems like a decent fade. It's so hard because I, I think about like, okay, this is a good run defense. Nobody runs on the Bills. And then I like think back to last year when Jonathan Taylor in Buffalo ran for five touchdowns, just completely destroyed them. Like there's always a path for everybody. But I think what you're saying, it's more likely to say, hey, if the field's pretty confident you know what's he gonna be like 20 ish 25 percent as of our recording i got him at 27 yeah if he's if he's people are that confident and we are more confident in the passing game then it's just easy like joe burrow in non-afc north games this year averaged 290 pass yards if you could pass that out between chase and one other option hurst or i like boyd then i think it's fine i think the bigger question that people will be asking is, why are we not talking more about T. Higgins? Oh, I was hoping you'd bring him up. Yeah, it, again, you're looking for just talented p- players on pass-heavy schemes that can get the job done that we know, you know, he's shown us before, you can do it. Seeing somewhere around 15 to 17%, again, relative to a four-game slate, is very low rostered. So I think he's a great leverage off of Jamar Chase. I think you can play him with Jamar Chase if you're stacking Joe Burrow. I do think he is a very, very interesting piece of this game stack. Again, 5800 for T. Higgins is a very, very good price tag. Do you have a certain lean on the on the uh, Vegas line? Because I feel pretty strong on the over. Really? Interesting. Okay. Over on 48.5. I think, so I, I came on, uh, you know, before we started talking, being like, ah, Buffalo takes care of business. I'm worried about Cincy. The offensive line injuries, I think, will catch up to them. But giving Joe Burrow five points, the... Bengals twelve and three against the spread since week three. I will follow that trend. I will take the bill or the the Bengals plus five. I think that's the right call, and you have this note in here in week seventeen, the game that didn't get to uh, finish. The Bills were minus two and a half, and the, and it was fifty one and a half. So, just interesting to see the lines in a playoff game when not a lot has changed, right? Like, well, I mean, since much he, changed. They lost a starter on offensive line. Uh, a couple weeks in a row now. So actually a decent amount has changed for the Bengals offense. I'm just saying in overall, like in matchup to say that this game was 51 and a half. Now it's 48 and a half. I, I just feel like there's a lot of value in the over. Yeah, no, I think it makes sense. All right. Last game we're going to talk about. We might have very different opinions on this game. That's okay. Dallas Cowboys at the San Francisco 49ers. 49ers are three and a half point home favorites. The over under is 46 and I cannot poke holes in what Brock Purdy has done. I think I'm going to poke holes in what I think he will do in this game. To be fair, I mean, he's been incredible, so I'm not here to say anything negative, but the schedule has been super soft for the 49ers over the last five, six, seven weeks. 
but it's hard to ignore. I mean, look look at what they've done with him. 33 points, 35, 21 was a, a bit of a stinker. 37, 37, 38, 41 points with Brock Purdy under center. So if that continues, and we've talked about for weeks on this show that the Dallas defense is, I think, a little overrated. And I'm seeing a lot of love for Dallas in the betting market. It was you know, four, now it's three and a half. I've seen some threes out there. Are we going to really overreact to them playing an, an inept Bucks offense a week ago? They've given up 40 to the Jags, 34 to Gardner Minshew-led Eagles, 31 to Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. They haven't been that good this year. I think Dallas is a little overrated. I think uh, Kyle Shanahan comes out and says, watch this, puts on a show on Sunday Night Football. You, you, didn't, you said Kyle Shanahan, not Brock Purdy. Because well, I think that's he's he's the what's the saying? He's the puppet on the string for Kyle Shanahan. He just lets him do his stuff. I, I really when I look through all these stats, like in seven Purdy games, the 49ers rank number one in expected points per play, number one in points per game. And then the craziest stat, second in expected points per pass attempt and rush attempt. So like doesn't matter what they do, they've been awesome. I think that's a testament to Kyle Shanahan. But weren't we just here a week ago and everybody and their mama was saying you know what? The Buccaneers, they're going to take care of business at home against the Cowboys. Like That was where <laughs> the public was last week. Yep, that's where they were. And no, I took the Cowboys. And I think they can make this game competitive. I'm not saying they're going to win outright, but I did take Cowboys plus three and a half uh, earlier, like a, like, a, like a dummy. And I think there's a lot to like in this game on both sides here. But it comes down to this. Are the Cowboys going to continue to be dumb and just run Ezekiel Elliott in the back of their line. I have confidence and faith in my head that that's the wrong move and that I think smart human beings will also say that. But they paid the dude $90 million, and I think they're going to say he needs his 12 touches, he needs his 13 carries. Like It's not going to work. And every touch that he gets in this game, excluding one or two-yard runs at the goal line, is going to hurt Dallas's chance to win this game. So I'm worried about that. And I'm worried about what that does to put Dak in bad position against a really good pass rush. Like if they run Zeke for two and a half yards of carry and he's out there on third and eight, you know, every two or three drives like that matters a lot. So I'm, I'm kind of worried about that. But, you know, Dak and we didn't really talk about a recap of wildcard weekend that much. Dak was awesome. And I mean, just incredible in that game. So there's a path for sure. And he is going to be a guy that no one is going to play. Here's the thing. Tony Pollard last week. He saw his highest snap rate was 58% in a game where Zeke was active and they were ahead the whole time, right? Like they were in the driver's seat that entire game. Now imagine a game script where either they have to come back. I just think it's an interesting spot for Pollard. I think he's going to be lost in the mix this week uh, because it's a good rush defense and I get that. But his price tag and his upside and the way that he catches the ball, I think he's a really strong GPP play this week at 6,100 on DraftKings. So I highlighted him in yellow. Which which means what usually? I means let's go. That's that's your dude. Yeah, that that means it's pretty good. It's, it's pretty good enough. It's not it's not Keenan Allen Green. But, Ugh, and uh, Keenan yeah. burned us last week so bad, man. <laughs> still still the dude, man. Don't 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 say anything ever wrong about Keenan. Trust Allen the process, podcast. they say, right? No, no, you don't even need to do that. This guy has a career uh, <laughs> since 2013 that has just been awesome. He's the best. Um, so. We're talking about the Dallas side. We'll move to the San Francisco side in a second. But CeeDee Lamb has just been rock solid, consistent every single week. Uh, is there any other path on the Cowboys side that if you're going to play Dak, you're stacking with CeeDee Lamb, are you interested in any other pass catcher? Yeah, CeeDee Lamb's the obvious guy. I'm, and the other one that I'm really interested in from a um, you know 
optimal way to play is Dalton Schultz. 21% target share since week 14. And since week 14, San Francisco has allowed the sixth highest catch rate tight ends. They're also 24th in receiving yards per game allowed to the position. And when you look at where they're giving up their touchdowns to um, you know, opposing pass catchers for San Francisco, it's not been on the boundary of the perimeter. It's been over the middle of the field where CD Lamb and Dalton Schultz are running their routes. So those are my two favorite plays. I will say a if you're playing just the Sunday slate or if you want a really large field dart throw, T.Y. Hilton is overtaking Noah Brown for that kind of third option in the receiver role. It's a low floor play, but when you look at last week, his role has changed a lot. 19 routes on 37 dropbacks, just 13 for Noah Brown. So for me, I think he's a fine dart throw on the slate. Yeah, I agree. I, I was looking at T.Y. Hilton earlier, and I was like, okay, that is really cheap. Like, I didn't mind if you have the right build. You could play him in cash. He's one of the few players at 3,200. You're like, okay, if I want to punt it. But, yeah, it's easy, interesting if you're double stacking this game. On the 49ers side, like, the Cowboys allowed the most receiving touchdowns to wide receivers this year, and I think nobody's talking about that. Debo was way too cheap last week, and he was someone that I was really bullish on in tournaments. And then his price only went up $200. So at 5,900, you're getting a player that's used all over the field. He had seven snaps in the backfield last year, three uh, last week, three carries. He destroyed the Cowboys last year. He, these two teams played last year in the divisional round. So I think he's a great play. Brandon Ayuk is super cheap. I don't mind him in a GPP at 5K. Like it's just way down there in price if you think he's going to be the one. I am very down on my boy George Kittle. Dallas has only allowed one touchdown to the tight end position this year. Last year, he went one for 18. There are games where he's just not the dude. So it's kind of a coin flip to me in a tournament. Are you going to play Debo? Are you going to play Kittle? And I just don't want to play Kittle this week. Yeah, the numbers say he's generally not been the right play. And when you look at kind of his game logs, it's either been 20 or 30 yards or just a massive explosion for a couple touchdowns and 60, 70, 80 yards. But a lot of those games have come with Debo out of the lineup. And so when you think about the Cowboys, they've got a pretty good pass rush. I think from a football standpoint, it makes sense that, I mean, George Kittle is the dude in the blocking game. He's awesome. And I think that they can use him as a weapon in that aspect. And it's tough when you're playing third or fourth fiddle to CMC, Debo, Ayuk. It's really tough to get there. That said, no one's playing him. Like he's coming in at like 5%. So if you think that's wrong and he does get involved, like he makes sense from that standpoint. But I'm with you. I'm not going to play too much of him. I'm going to say this, and I've never said this on the podcast here. If Brock Purdy beats me, he beats me this week. <laughs> oh, Purdy's going for the 35-burger again, huh? I just, he's running hot, man. Dude, Brock and Purdy I broke love... the slate. <laughs> I know. What, the... what is me in happening? The face. Uh, so I think in this game, if I'm going to stack it, I'm going to do the Dak side, but we would say CMC does a strong play. Um in cash in both formats as a one-off. Like if you just wanted to play CMC and nobody else from this game, I'm totally fine with that too. Both defenses are interesting in GPPs though, because I think you have some high upside. You have some teams that can rush the passer. I don't know if you'll get the same passing volume you want though in this game. You're just betting on Purdy having turnovers and Dak, like Dak had the highest percentage of turnover worthy plays in his career this year. So you're just betting on one of those guys to have multiple turnovers and they turn into touchdowns. I would say I'm. I, I took Dallas plus three and a half. That's kind of where I, where I felt most comfortable earlier. But you're on the opposite side. Yeah, I feel really strong about San Francisco minus three and a half. So maybe we'll have to add this to our list of water bets that we've got going on. I, I listen. I think San Francisco is awesome. They're a great team. 
But every once in a while, you know, things things don't go so well. And I think this is one of those weeks. I will say the key to this game is obviously Micah Parsons. Like Brock Purdy hasn't played a defense that has Micah Parsons on it. So if he can have an awesome game, which he's very capable of, I think there is a path that could go off the rails a little bit. But man, the coaching mismatch is, is pretty evident. You're not a McCarthy guy? <laughs> Although, did you see him with the chains on in the locker room afterwards? Dude, I, okay, so I'm proud of McCarthy. Like, he's not a stick in the mud. Like, he could have gone a certain way after getting fired. And I think he's gone a route where it's like, okay, you're respectable. <laughs> because he lied to Jerry Jones about watching every game and following the analytics. I, re- I love that. <laughs> I respect I that. that so much. He just lied in his job interview. <laughs> Got the job, and he's still here. <laughs> I mean... Th- I mean, think about the footballers. They think you're an actual doctor. Yeah, they don't know. I just look. I just Google everything. Dude, by the way, I started to Google something the other day, and I was like, I just need to talk to Beth. So after this recording, I got some something in my bicep. Oh boy, it actually really does hurt. Okay, buddy. Real. Yep, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Oh, and, and um, you probably aren't the person for this, but I, I mentioned earlier I swallowed a little bit of dish soap on accident this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Will I die? No, you'll be fine. Okay, that's all I needed to know. The, way more confident than anything I could have come up with. Exactly. It was a weird. It was a weird thing. It was it had a cup, and I was using it for water. And I and as I was drinking, I was like, <laughs> "There's soap in here. That's gross." Didn't, all right. Didn't spit it out. Just swallowed it. <laughs> just, just had to keep going. Trust the process. They say. Love it. Um, let's finish this episode off by talking about our slate breakers. And yes, you and I are both talking about a pair of eagles. What could go wrong? I'm going to start us off by talking about Arthur Jawan Brown, A.J. Brown. His roster percentage is insanely low for a player that, like, if there's somebody that's routinely broke the slate, it's him. And the thing about the Giants is all year long, they decided to play a certain type of coverage, especially zone. They switched it up last week. And I got to give Wink Martindale credit that he adjusted his game plan. If they try to do man coverage against A.J. Brown, the same way they tried to do last week. They are going to get destroyed. Over the last two years, he leads all wide receivers in yards per route run uh, against man coverage. And the Giants, I would say, are the worst pass defense left on the board. They rank 25th in explosive pass rate. I think that you can get A.J. Brown at sub-10%, and he can be a player that goes for, I don't know, 7 for 150 and 2. Like That's in the uh, the range of outcomes. But I feel like he's not treated in the same respect as Jamar Chase or Stephon Diggs, like he could finish above them this week. Yep. Uh, again, whenever you see players like that on a four-game slate projected around 10%, you just you don't even think about anything. You just say, okay, that's an automatic GPP play. So I love it. We have confidence in the Eagles, obviously, on the slate because my slate breaker relative to price, I want to point this out, relative to price, is Dallas Goddard. Do I think he can go for 35 points? No. Can Travis Kelsey do that? Of course. But I think we're going to see four for 50 and a touchdown something like that for Dallas Goddard I think he ends up in the optimal lineup this week look at what TJ Hawkinson just did last week 10 for 129 11 targets now granted the passing volume isn't the same as it is for the Vikings but the efficiency numbers for Dallas Goddard are awesome he is third among tight ends in yards per run when he's been healthy this year and the Giants are 31st in PFF coverage grade they're bottom 10 in receptions catch rate and yards allowed to the position the linebackers of the Giants are the way you attack this team. And I think the Eagles know that. Dallas Goddard is in the optimal lineup this weekend. It would be pretty awesome if both of our slate breakers, you know, you just play both of them and then we're both right. That would be awesome. There, that's your double stack. There you go. Of the week. Hurts. What will probably Brown, happen is Dallas Goddard. 
It'll probably be one of us. The other one could dunk. Or we're both wrong. We're idiots. <laughs> That's definitely possible. <laughs> Miles Sanders, 150-2 incoming. Here you go. <laughs> totally going to happen. If you want to play with us, go to BallersDFS.com. You can play at our DraftKings League, Fantasy Footballers DFS Borg Plus Bets. We have some playoff contests. And I mentioned earlier, this time last year, Bets had basically his best DFS weekend of all time, thanks to Gabriel Davis. So you can join in with us at BallersDFS.com. And you can play with us. We have contests that are live right now, even some for Saturday, some for Sunday. It's a grand old time. Bets, sign us off. Yes, sir. This weekend should be a lot of fun. Enjoy the four games. They should be awesome. Good football. Lots of good DFS action out there. Don't forget to get the DFS pass. Remember, it's free. We'll see you on the inside, and we'll see you in those DFS contests on DraftKings. Good luck this weekend. We'll see you next week. listening to another edition of the fantasy footballers dfs podcast don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com